Hello and welcome to Brains Rest Live number 451. This week on the podcast, what is there to say about George Santos that George Santos hasn't already said about himself? And somebody tell Joe Biden that we aren't using printers anymore. Plus, Ron Klain is out and the White House will now be run as effectively as the U.S. COVID response. And Kathy Hochul cannot Cuomo her way into leadership. Plus, sinkholes, California has them. And Donald Trump uses Diamond of Diamond and Silk's memorial service to distance himself from Silk, which is proof positive that they both know each other and probably crimed together. We'll have all this and more. This is Brain Trust Live. Hey y'all, I'm Brent. I'm Lila, and you can find us on the web at www.braintrustlive.com. Happy New Year, we're back. Yeah. Only took us... Wait, have we not recorded this year? Oh, did we record once? <laughs> I think we did, randomly. But yeah. it wasn't last week. It, was it wasn't before. last week. And now you're back. So we're in the same room together. We're so it feels like a new era. It's a, it's a whole new year <laughs> in that we're in California. Yeah. I mean, my Christmas tree is still up. <laughs> That's why. So, so in the sense, you know, it's not really a new year. We haven't moved on yet. You know what? It's been, it's, it's been a long... <laughs> amorphous stretch of time since yeah, 2020 it and it's hard to know when a year begins or ends and also when a january begins and ends <laughs> those you. are things i appreciate that, that uh you know we're all struggling with right now <laughs> oh. so you may have huh. noticed we didn't record on sunday and yeah. by you i mean my mother who is texting me today to ask me where the oh. podcast is well carla don't you worry <laughs> here it is never never fear it's arriving never on a wednesday like oh like like always yeah um this Sunday, this is not why we didn't record, but this Sunday was a big day for a lot of reasons. Some of them terrible. Some of them also terrible because it was the 50th anniversary of Roe, which is depressing news once you live in a post-Roe world. Yeah. It was theoretically the Women's March, but I heard truly nothing about both where it would be, who showed up, whether it happened, whether the rumor I heard, I heard was mo- real. I heard more news about the pro-abortion march, which is unsettling but well, that because we're, also... we're in post-row america so that because i think that was sense. this last weekend yeah that also would be a time well on the 50th anniversary of row what better time <laughs> to <laughs> to celebrate their victory rudely celebrate your victory <laughs> yeah. in the face of uh, millions of women's tears jesus um yeah. it was it's lunar new year or it was lunar new year on sunday we had a yeah. horrific shooting in southern yeah. california and you know what we've made a decision by the way on this mm-hmm. podcast i think it's a can we announce yeah, this i think we should here? announce it <laughs> we're not covering mass shootings on this podcast any longer we, we might ne- make reference to them <laughs> yeah you heard and about them you you heard about them we are mostly an election politics or uh, ele- <laughs> an election podcast <laughs> an election politics podcast <laughs> and you know our thoughts on gun control and also and hate, have and since also, and the early crimes, 2010s right yeah so like it's just like I, I feel like there's been something like 40 this year and we're not doing it. That's not what this podcast is. Well, also, and I think this is That's something that... That's not to that, diminish the awfulness no, of them, certainly. But this but, is something that we, I think, have announced in the past on this podcast anyway, which is just like, it would be one thing if there was some effort being made to mitigate these shootings, to create policy that would prevent them, yeah. to do literally anything in the face of them. But it's not helpful for us to just remind you that we live in a violent society. That doesn't yeah. make you feel not and that we don't like guns and that we don't like guns that that's that's neither empowering nor helpful nor (laughs) even interesting and so at a certain point it's like elections podcasts have to decide to cover elections and other political news right and And this is no longer political news because there's no political will to do anything no exactly so in any case happy lunar new year oh god um there is 
There is political Poli- news. Election politics, political podcast news, That's whatever right. I just said when I messed up what this podcast <laughs> is. Uh, Ruben Gallego announced today, I think, or yesterday. It I don't was remember, yesterday, but yesterday yeah. and it's already felt like 12 years. <laughs> I know, because he's, he's certainly coming from the, the school of uh, lengthy texting that oh the God. Democrats have started doing. Maybe Republicans are doing this. I don't know what right, they're up to. Right, we wouldn't know about that. I, yeah. Probably not, because I can't imagine their constituents would sit down to read one of those. Well, also, I mean, I'm not either, and I'm a person I who can read, but... believe that they may be doing it only because their constituents, being only old people, are the kind of people that believe that texting is a letter-writing medium. <laughs> right, they might be sending true. their grandchildren long texts like yeah, this, Yeah, that's too. very true, yeah. But I, my finger got tired scrolling through the last text that I got I from Ruben, Gai- Ruben Gallego. Now and just... I like Ruben Gallego. I hope he's the next senator from Arizona. That's right. He's uh, challenging... Our our favorite Indi- independent senator. Right. We're gonna have Sinema? like we're gonna have a very active three way race there. Yes, and and I think it will be close. I think the yeah. conventional wisdom is that like you know that opens the door for a Republican, but first off they're gonna nominate Carrie Lake probably, right. and so that is it's a, a problem for them. And then second off, I think Kirsten Cinema gets Republican votes from Arizona. I mean she's been fashioning yeah. herself as Agreed. John McCain. I don't think very well, but no. I mean. <laughs> You know, that's what she's... A really that's infuriating, she, non-heroic right? John that, McCain. But that's what she's been attempting to do. Like, there certainly is a lane for a Democrat here because they've been voting for Democrats. They've got yes. a Democratic governor. They've been voting for Joe Biden. So this idea that, like, yes. this is going to somehow, like, create, you know, a pathway for Kerry Lake to be the next senator from Arizona, I think is inaccurate. I both agree and also invite all of our listeners <laughs> to consider that... There is probably no politician more hated by her own constituents at the moment than Kirsten Sinema. Well, that's so true. So I feel like the actual lane that might be cleared from this race is hers. Yeah. Because I, I think that yeah. there, there are definitely crazy voters in Arizona who will vote for a Carrie lake S figure. I think there are more sort of like moderate Republicans who will vote for Kirsten Sinema. And I think that, but that they actually split that conservative to moderate vote and there's probably yeah. a wide open lane yeah. for just like a normal Democrat. No, a normal Democrat, right. And I am going to say something that might surprise people, and maybe I shouldn't Exciting. say it, but like I don't really care. If Kirsten Cinema changing parties to an independent and then a Democrat running is the thing that creates a pathway for Senator Carrie Lake, I don't care. I Sorry, also, that would suck I'm for six years for the people of Arizona. 100% like, in favor of people primarying idiots. And if that means that if, if those idiots become so afraid that they become independent so they can run in the general, then you're basically primarying them in the general. That's on her. Yeah. She's the one that created that problem. Yeah. She left the party. That's not on yeah, us. Exactly. I, uh, Democrats have every right to have a candidate in that race, and she's not a Democrat. 100%. So, and I don't think, like... I don't think that all elections have to be two people and it's a runoff. I don't no. know why we live in a country where we think that elections can only be properly conducted if they're two people. <laughs> it's know. like we get so mad when people like challenge from third parties. We get so mad when people primary people. We get so mad about things that... Yes, it changes your election math when you have three people in the race. It changes the strategy. It changes a yeah. lot of things. But that doesn't mean it's inherently anti-democratic. No. It just means that the election workers who are used to dealing with a two-person election, <laughs> right. you know, in a runoff situation, have to think about their math differently, have to think about their strategy differently. It just makes their jobs harder. Yeah. You, as a voter, don't need to worry about their jobs being harder. You just need to worry about the candidate that you want you, to win. Yeah. I'm just like, I feel 
Like, and I, you don't want Kirsten Cinema or Carrie Lake to win, so right. just vote for Ruben so, Gallego. So like, it's not more complicated. Don't than that. worry about <laughs> your life. Like, I I get so frustrated with this sort of like orthodoxy around what a general election should look I like know. and what and what because you know Democrats like are going to swoop in and they're going to be like, oh well, we have to get behind Kirsten Cinema because yeah. she's the one who could win here, and we can't let a Republican win. It's and like, it's just like stop we can do whatever being we afraid want. of Republicans <laughs> and just run your candidate, run a candidate. Yeah, but yeah, I I would kind of like because the other thing is that democrats actually have a history of benefiting in situations like this anyway Mm -hmm. ross perot was a real boon for democrats i was gonna say it's the only reason bill clinton became president exactly so like we live in a society where we don't have to feel like this actually has a predetermined good or bad outcome ross perot probably had some more politics i I was gonna say (laughs) this is a morally neutral (laughs) choice to run a democrat in this race it I is the agree. right choice, oh, morally neutral. but it's morally neutral. It's yeah. it's Democrats who rightfully want to have a candidate yeah. running a Democrat to be their candidate. Yeah. That's great news. We should all do it. And you know what? If like 100 people want to primary Ruben Gallego, go ahead. Because I also think that we should have competitive primary. That's healthy. I was that's healthy. 100%. Yeah. So like, let's... And the fact that Kirsten Sinema knew she couldn't get out of a Democratic primary is the reason she became an independent. And we all know that in our hearts right. as well. We so should like, continue to remind people of that Let's also. continue to know our hearts. Yeah. Um, let's also talk about Katara Ravashe. <laughs> oh, we have no choice. <laughs> the story... Our favorite drag queen. I know. And you God. guys, obviously you've been following the George Santos universe. It's like a Marvel universe now. <laughs> I'm just like, why? George Santos. <laughs> like, cinematic universe. It's the Marvel oh, universe of Santos lives. Yeah. And it expands every day, and that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And also the blowback expands every day, and that's exciting. Because... A lot of, you know, first of all, this has really put the New York State Republicans into an awkward situation where they had, like, probably the best midterms elections they've ever had in their lives in this last election. And it is all because of just, like, missteps from idiot Democrats who don't know anything. Mm -hmm. And now they're having to, like, kind of close ranks around themselves because here's the thing, you guys. George Santos, his finance director is going to go to jail. She was the finance director for a bunch of other Republican campaigns. Yeah. So, like, his lies notwithstanding... Purchased more things for $199.99 than not anybody them. has ever purchased. Ever purchased. <laughs> but, like, in an effort to protect all of their other candidates who didn't lie about where they were from and how their mother died and what their school was <laughs> and all of these other things, they're having to close ranks around themselves and try to get Santos out. Out. Because, because they need him. They, they need, need to the focus. The they, they need all yeah. this focus on their financial dealings to stop. Yeah. So now we have Peter King wrote an op-ed in the Times this week that was like, George Santos should resign. He's the former uh, congressman from Long yeah. Island um, who was a, you know, a, a very senior member of the Republican Party in the yeah. House for many years. Um, he clearly got dispatched by local GOP players who oh, were like sure. freaking the fuck out about all of this, which is glorious. I love the drama. The, the New York State Democrats are having their own drama, so I love that the Republicans are also getting a taste of the fun. Um, I feel also, like part, part of their drama is that they didn't have anybody doing oppo research on this fucking no. guy. No. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. No, they did. Now, some of these lies, yes, they did not know about. Yeah. Some of the depths of the lies. And also, some of these things are things you wouldn't bother to do oppo research on because it's like, how am I, why am I going to believe he lied about how his mom died? Like, I, why would I bother researching <laughs> yeah, something right. like that? Who would lie about that? Yeah. Only a pathological liar, which it yeah. turns out George Santos is. Yeah. So I'm less sort of focused on those, but the financial dealings, they did have Oppo research on. What they don't have is a local media market anymore. Mm. Newsday, which is the kind of like local paper that would report on this kind of thing, 
is basically being gutted. They don't have anyone doing any real reporting. And mm. so they offered this story to local media and no one picked up on it. And so it just never made it out. And that's why you need media to be independent and exist. <laughs> Most importantly. Most importantly. You need local newspapers. You can't just have big conglomerates buying up your local newspapers because these are the yeah. kinds of stories that you don't and that don't end, end up in the Times. Well, because even time. did, even the Republicans at the time knew that he was like basically doing a grift, right? Yes. I mean, right, yeah. Yes. Because that's what, oh yeah, you and I were talking about this the other day because one of the things that he did besides purchase more things for $199.99 right. <laughs> than any human ever has is that he also like put on his FEC filing that he loaned himself $700,000. Right. Which he mysteriously which, didn't have. Which he didn't do. Yeah, he, like didn't, how, he didn't have. You know but when like, you're trying to get that investors? That was just to go around and be able to grift and be like, look, I'm also a rich Jewish person. Right. Like, <laughs> give me, you know, give me your money. I, look, I gave myself a bunch of money. I it's, gave myself the three quarters of a million dollars. It's literally what you do when you're trying to fund a startup and you're like, I got to find essentially like two rich people to rub together so that we can, so that we can like ask other right. rich people to invest. Like, and then if you pretend to be rich, you already have one rich person and then yeah. you just have to find a second. Like, that's what he was doing is the ultimate, this is like the ultimate grift. Mm-hmm. It's the official grift of people. <laughs> so <laughs> the fact that nobody yeah. noticed it was happening is too amazing. But yeah. also amazing is the litany of stories that we got he, this week right. about whether George Santos was doing drag, whether yeah. he knew he was doing drag, whether he admitted to doing drag and what exactly was going on when he was doing drag because he was definitely doing drag. There's photographic evidence. Oh, uh, there's video evidence now. Oh, there's video evidence now too. Perfect. Uh-huh. I did a quick search of this to find out where we had landed because I had read several contradictory headlines in an effort to piece together where we were in the drag George Santos story. It's so line. funny. I did the exact same thing. I was I mean, like, I was at my boyfriend's house and he was like, oh, I see George Santos admitted to doing drag. And then I went to Google and then there were... 10 stories that were all within the last 24 hours and each of them had a different 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 take on whether he had or hadn't said that he did or didn't do drag. Yes, when I pulled this this weekend, we had one that from late last week, Representative George Santos denies ever having been a drag queen. Then one from eight hours before, like from basically Sunday morning, Santos doesn't appear to contest authenticity of resurfaced drag photo. (laughs) Then one from right before I Googled it, George Santos on drag photos. I had fun at a festival. (laughs) Then also one that seems to contradict the CNN story from the eight hours before, from Sunday morning, that says, George Santos on drag pics. I was young and I had fun. (laughs) Like literally within two hours, sources were reporting like three different things that he had said about these drag photos. Yes. Which is... So perfect. And then also one from before, from the, you know, from middle of last week that's uh, Eula Richard. George Santos is crazy, couldn't cut it as a drag queen. <laughs> so George Santos, a.k.a. Katara Ravash, his drag name, a.k.a. Anthony something, because he was also going by the name Anthony for reasons I, no one has correctly identified to me. Um, yeah. Well, that's what you, when you're a grifter, you got to have a lot of names. Yeah. You got into a back and forth with um, Trixie Mattel on Twitter. Oh. Drag queen Trixie Mattel, <laughs> where because today he did something com- or yesterday completely ridiculous, where he like dragged all of the late night shows for like doing unfunny impersonations of him. <laughs> That's and they amazing. were like, they were like, these people need to step up their games. And then and then Trixie Mattel like Mattel subtweeted him and said, maybe the source material was weak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man! Too- also. George Santos might be great at grifting. 
he's not clever enough to be getting no. into Twitter wars with drag queens. No. He's a guy. I know. I mean, come on. I know. Didn't one of the drag queens also say that, like, they weren't good enough to, like, yes. be... Because I think on one of the... Okay, so he has a bunch yeah, of... he couldn't cut it as a right, drag queen. Right, that because was you were Right, yeah, yeah. Because he has a bunch of... Um, he has a bunch of uh, aliases yes. that he goes by. And one of those aliases had a Wikipedia page, and it said that they had won a bunch of pageants as a drag queen. I'm shocked. <laughs> and then, yes, this person was sort of like, that didn't happen. <laughs> they couldn't hack it. In, in yet another surprising twist <laughs> from a man whose mother has died he's more than good, once, including on 9 He's as good as dra- at drag as he is as playing volleyball for... Um, oh, right, for Baruch <laughs> For Baruch <laughs> Where he dazzled the teams of Harvard and Yale. <laughs> like, I just, SNL did, was on a weekend update, like, was talking about that. And they were just like, imagine that being, like, your dream stat to make up about yourself. <laughs> right? right? Like, a great volleyball player. Like, once you're making up literally Baruch, everything about yourself, like, be, like. Be, be an a, Olympic volleyball uh, player. <laughs> right. You played college volleyball at Baruch? No. Also, be have, have been the star of the Harvard volleyball <laughs> right. team at least. Don't don't make up the stat that you were the star of the Baruch holly, of volleyball team and that you wowed the teams of Harvard and Yale. That's like some third string lying. Also, yeah. friend George Santos, you are not tall enough to be a volleyball star. I know this to be yeah, true. I know. I know this because I can't play volleyball because I'm too little for volleyball. I know about how tall volleyball <laughs> players are. They're very they're tall. tall. That's yeah, a tall sport. Tall. Yeah, it is. Um, also. <laughs> <laughs> was engaged to a man while he was married to a woman. Yes. Apparently. Well, I have a new read on all of this because it is very clear to everyone involved, maybe just me, but everyone who read the story that I read should have been involved at this point, that this was a green card marriage because he tried to convince his roommate at the time that he should also do a green card marriage for a Brazilian woman. He married a Brazilian woman in 2012. Sure. Um, somebody is just texting me. I'm incredibly important. Um <laughs> He married a Brazilian woman in 2012 and they were, and she tried to divorce him like a year later and somehow it didn't work, but she finally (laughs) did divorce him in 2019. But somehow in 2014, he was one way engaged to a man named Pedro uh, (laughs) Villarva because he sent out, his roommate released to the Daily Beast the Facebook invite to their engagement dinner (laughs) that he had sent in 2014. Um, And Pedro has admitted to have, have to having a relationship with George Santos, um, but says the engagement party never happened because he rejected Santos's proposals three times. Um, and then George Santos said, I will not give comment to slanderous accusations made by a person of the likes of Gregory, who is his former roommate, Gregory Maury Parker, who is, by the way, a Stonewall, um, not a Stonewall Democrat, he's a Stonewall, a, a Stonewall Republican. Oh, God. Um, and uh, I believe... Uh, he calls himself a Reagan Republican, but he voted for Trump in 2016 and said of uh, George Santos, can you imagine how he's making, I mean, sorry, not Stonewall, Log Cabin Republican. I I was like, I'm misspeaking and I forgot (laughs) I was doing that. Um, Can you imagine how he's making the Log Cabin Republicans feel? He's making all of us look bad. (laughs) Okay. Uh, No, he's not, friend. (laughs) Come right on down. In any case, Apparently, though, he was a shitty roommate because both this guy, Greg, uh, Maury Par- uh, Gregory Maury Parker, and then another roommate said that Santos stole from them, which... Of course he did. Of course he did. Also stole from Pedro Villarva. 
the sure. uh, would-be fiancé who never agreed on his end to be one. Um, and I think that uh, he even... Villarva said that he pawned his... That George Santos pawned his cell phone. Back, <laughs> which is so lame. But then also... Pawned it? Can't you just like actually sell your cell phone? I, I, yes. You can literally just get cash back for your cell phone. <laughs> anyway, Gregory Moore Parker also said... I don't really care about material stuff, but he stole something that really had sentimental value to me. And he was referring to a scarf that Santos stole and then wore to a Stop the Seal rally in D.C. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the GOP awarded him seats on the Science and Small Business Committee. So like so many people who are liars and insane, he is now somebody who has committee assignments in the U.S. Congress. Sure. So that's going great. <laughs> him and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yep. Serving... The American but not people. Adam Schiff and who else did they kick off of? Didn't they kick some Democrats yes. off of their committees? Yeah, they kicked. Yeah, well, they've been going after Schiff. They're obsessed with yeah. hating Adam Schiff. Oh, and Ilhan Omar and yeah. I can't. Oh, and I, Eric I Swalwell. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, they're so mad at Eric Swalwell. <laughs> Somebody who no Democrat has ever once cared about. <laughs> it's so funny how mad they get at Eric Swalwell <laughs> because he couldn't be more irrelevant <clears throat> to the lives of every Democrat in America. No, it's true. It's. Hilarious. Didn't he run for president? He did run for president. <laughs> Great, thank you. Um, one of 34. The Great. only one with his hair. Well, that's true. Not the only... He wouldn't have been the only one with his hair if he had run in 1964 for president, <laughs> but certainly the only one with his hair this time. Yeah. Um, oh, God. We have on our notes that Brent's going to explain something to Lila, but... None of us did the research. <laughs> Brent's not going to explain that Here's to Here's what happened, you guys. Every day, Brent texts me and said... Oh my God, they found more fucking documents at Biden's house. And I keep saying, oh, I didn't read about it. And I've continued to not read about it. I have not read one single news story about the Biden document situation because of not caring. (laughs) And then today they found classified documents at Mike Pence's house as well. And I also didn't read that story because of not caring. And I have a bigger story that I want to report on related to these things, (laughs) which is that why are people in the White House the only people who fucking own printers in the entire of America? There's too many... Documents floating around. There's too many documents. There's too many documents. <laughs> that a, a way that we have solved the document problem, mm-hmm. the two of us, is by not having any ability to print them out. There's none in here. You can't find print a, a class- find a piece of paper Brent in here. <laughs> texted me and Grant today and said, "Do I have classified documents floating around my house?" And we were able to assure him immediately that he doesn't because he doesn't have a printer. No. Where's he getting these classified documents? <laughs> How are they floating around his house? They're not floating around anywhere. The yeah. best they could be floating around is cyberspace. Yeah. And then they're already in public anyway, basically. Well, that's true. Yeah. But it feels like we have a problem beyond the problem of just people taking classified documents home. Um, yeah. Which seems to be a widespread problem, as yeah. it turns out. Well, that's I a was... problem with people printing out classified documents and then moving around with them. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Well, and Mike Pence swore up and down a couple of weeks ago that he didn't have any classified documents because he described the level of which, you know, they were certain that he didn't before he was found out that he did. And look, uh, I'm with you. I don't know that I care other than I hope it continues to be a story because I hope it convinces him not to run for president <laughs> again. Right. I'm right. talking about Joe Biden, not Mike yeah. Pence. I don't give a shit whether Mike Pence runs no. for president again. He's no a, one, he's a no person one who's not going to ever be the president. <laughs> right. So like, have at it. Right. Run, uh, run to your heart's content. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but I was listening to an interview with Ann Coulter the other day, <laughs> like you do. On TikTok. I have never once gotten served an Ann Coulter video on TikTok. Well, I didn't like it. But as we've discussed on this podcast and in life, the soft spot for Ann Coulter. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I shouldn't, but here we are. I don't know what to tell you. No, I mean, guys. that's like, like, he's a soft spot for Marion Williamson, too. There are some weird choices being made yeah, in Brent Thornburg. I just like, people. would I tell me that a night at the Abbey with Ann Coulter would not be the time of your life? Also, I tell me that she you. doesn't regularly <laughs> frequent the Abbey with some gaggle of gays and, ha- and ha- ever right. have the time Is of her life. Is she deplorable? Sure. Yeah. Anyway, she was describing, you know, First off, she went into a long tirade about the intelligence community not having any intelligence about anything because they've been wrong about everything. And she was certainly doing it in a dramatic way that mm-hmm. like made her seem unhinged. But she was probably but she only is, so. she was probably only half wrong. Right. But like the point that she made, where now, especially now that we've seen that Mike Pence has these documents and that Trump did and that Biden did and that Hillary had her server and whatever else, is that is the is every document just being marked classified? I think What's so. her point? Yes. Right? And yes. I'm, fe- I'm feeling like maybe so. And I'm not saying that like you should like, shouldn't not leave those documents like at the White House when you leave. Right. <laughs> uh, I think we can all agree that you should attempt to do so. Sure. But I'm also wondering if some of those classified documents are like, you know, a printed not out menu for what they well, had on the day that somebody came to, you know, talk about something that was classified. I like, also I, I, am curious, like I know like in Trump's case, we cared because he was selling secrets. Yeah. And some of those were marked like, like top SCI secret. or yeah. whatever it is that he, have this. He had so, documents yeah. that are actually not supposed to be removed. Yeah. They're not being s- sent to your printer. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed, there are right. physical documents. Right. Well, and the other thing that I think, I can't remember, it may have been her that was making this point, but I can't remember. <clears throat> the other thing is, is that the reason that Trump had those documents was, yes, either to sell secrets or perhaps only to literally just show his friends at Mar-a-Lago that he had classified documents, right? right? Like Joe Biden, as much as he probably loved showing people his Corvette, which is where the classified documents were, because he told us 17 times that they were locked with the Corvette, I don't think was like bringing people to his home and then regaling them with like slideshows of his classified documents. Like, I just, that that wasn't what was happening, but that's definitely what's happening at Mar-a-Lago. No, I feel like part of the, the, the way these stories have been reported has not made clear the distinction that actually I think matters, which is, look, like I said, get these people away from their printers and stop printing out fucking classified documents and roaming around town with them. That would be a great thing for none of these people to have done. Yeah. However, there is a distinction between what I even assumed that Mike Pence was doing with classified documents in his home and what Joe Biden is doing with classified documents in his home and what Hillary Clinton is doing with classified documents on her server or whatever. And what Donald Trump, a man who was trying to sell secrets to foreign <laughs> you know, governments, yeah. um, was doing with his documents, with his classified yeah. documents. I, and also... The fact that his documents were being held in, like, a hotel, essentially, is also, I think, an <laughs> right. important distinction. But, like, I think that the the sort of reporting on it has not done a good job of making a distinction between, like, nefarious document right. hoarding they've and been making non-nefarious the dis- they've been idiot, making, right. idiot document yeah, hoarding. exactly. They've been making the distinction that Biden, you know, more readily gave them up as soon as he right. found them. But, yes, I think the actual distinction is, like, what the intention right. was to do with them once because they I had Because I don't them. even think that Mike Pence probably had nefarious intentions. I don't either. I think he was just also an idiot with a printer. Yeah. I think all these people were idiots with printers, and that the, <laughs> the, the, the distinction is just that Donald Trump was an idiot with both a printer and nefarious and, goals. Right, exactly. Yeah. But, like, that, I think, because this gives the Republicans the ability to be like, nah, nah, everyone has documents. So the, every, the witch hunt, blah, That's blah, blah. I, and yeah. it's not, there's a difference. There's a difference. But it like, does, I think it does take the heat off of him, though. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, because even he today came out, I don't know if you saw this, but like on True Social or wherever, like released a statement like about how his friend Mike Pence has done nothing wrong. And, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know. Poor just, Mike Pence who's a, like, do not talk right, about just me, Just a guy. Good, good guy who accidentally had some classified documents <laughs> at his house. Just like anyone who would classify, anyone with classified documents is probably just a good guy with classified Uh, documents, if I had to guess what his position on this matter is. And look, that's ridiculous. Yes. But also, like, there's... I also don't care that Mike... I mean, I care in that it's funny to me. I don't care in that... I don't think that our national security was being compromised by Mike Pence having these classified documents. I don't actually think that he would be empowered to cause a national security yeah. issue at all because he's so irrelevant yeah. to every single person in America. I, and I do, yeah. And I sort of feel that way about Biden having classified documents. As much as I would like us to not have had this problem in the first place. I know. I also am not interested enough to read stories yeah. about it. Well, and I think also the the potentially more damning thing with the Biden documents, and they talked about this at least when they initially found them, is that these were found like at the beginning of November. And it was kept very hush-hush, yes. probably because we were right before the, the midterms. And then it took like six weeks for them to announce it. And then they pretended as though the second batch of them had been found and then offered up. But like they had also like found those in December or something. So the timeline of the Biden ones oh, is also like super very sneaky. S- sneaky. Yeah. But then it's sneaky for election reasons. It's it was not sneaky, for sneaky because reasons. he was selling secrets. No, it was it's political reasons. Political. And that is also just what I would expect from these people. Well, I agree. And also I hope he doesn't run for president over this. Well, I would it love does... it if it knocks him out. <clears throat> but I... Don't feel that my national security was compromised by it. I just think that idiotic news reporting was compromised by it. We're sending tanks to Ukraine, so our national security is about to be compromised. That's right. Because we're probably we're going to to war with Russia. War, Um, but that's that's separate from the documents issue. Unrelated. (laughs) You know what? It's not separate from is the Trump documents issue. (laughs) Probably not. So that that is where this distinction I think is most Mm. (laughs) most clearly evident. Yeah, I agree. In any case. Other dumb ideas that are being had in Washington of late <laughs> include uh, what I think is really the most like peak 2023 Republican idea that I've ever heard in my life. Which is like, you know how like Republicans sometimes will like go find their way back around on an issue to the extent that they'll invent the policy that they're against? Like how anti-vaxxers will sometimes be like, well, I don't want this ridiculous, you know, f- fancy vac- mRNA vaccine. Why don't we just put a tiny bit of the illness in a shot and get, you know, like, oh, yeah, they'll like no, invent right. vaccines uh, by telling what you want. You what? These vaccine shots are free. What? Should we just have free health care of right. everything? Exactly. What? It's like what? Should insulin be free now? Right. <laughs> like that kind of thing where you're like, oh, you got there. We did it. <laughs> right. So this is kind of like where I believe we've landed with this issue, which is that Republicans are so against taxes that they have decided to create a high universal tax rate for everyone as their newest policy, because their new tax plan is even more insane than not having any taxes, which was supposed to be what they wanted, because (laughs) they are now going in on, so they have a bill uh, called the Fair Tax Act (laughs) that um, got introduced in mid-January, early January, by Buddy Carter from Georgia. Listen. Somebody named Buddy can't be writing the tax law. No. Like, use your heads, you guys. <laughs> it doesn't... It's, like, you have to have some common sense yeah. when it comes to just, like, knowing in your heart that Buddy Carter is not the guy. <laughs> in any case, it proposes what is essentially a 30% national sales tax in place of every other tax in America. No. Hey, we know you're paying $7 for eggs right now, guys. <laughs> right. But imagine if you were paying 10 <laughs> Right. Uh-huh. Also, they call it a consumption tax, which I think is so funny. Sure, yeah. It, like, that 
is like what the entire economy is designed to promote is consumption. But it's also funny because if think to yourself right now about your life and your tax rate, you don't pay 30% in taxes right now. See, that's the thing. I think this people at, yeah. People think that they're paying Right, but you you I guarantee if you were listening to this podcast, you probably didn't pay taxes last year. Right. Yeah. And if you <laughs> did pay taxes last year, you paid a tax rate that is significantly less than 30%. For sure. Like you like sorry about your life, but that yeah. is what yeah. is happening. So like This bill basically is designed to get rid of the IRS and instead create a new government bureaucracy under the Treasury Mm, Department because that will resolve all of the problems that we're having with the government. Um, And it basically gets gets rid of federal income taxes, payroll taxes, and estate and gift taxes. (laughs) Of course it does. Also, you know, corporate income and capital gains taxes. (laughs) Duh. Obviously. Um, And in those places, it imposes what it refers to as a 23% national sales tax. But although the bill says 23%, the Institute of Taxation and Economic Policy says that because of how sales tax is calculated, it actually ends up being 30%. So mm. 23% is a misleading thing because it means for a $10 purchase, you're paying 3 to $4 on that yeah. purchase. You know, you're paying a 30% tax. Yeah. That's how, I don't know why that is. Don't ask me about math, certainly. But in any case, that's why people are calling it a 30% tax, even though the bill says 23. Um, now, in order to help with the excessive tax rate that this would result in because already, you know, I, I'm sure we don't have to explain to you guys that regressive taxes are <laughs> inherently unfair and ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and that because of that, I'm actually not in favor of any sales tax. I think that all tax should be progressive tax and that I understand how we ended up with sales taxes. It's sure. an easy way to impose a surcharge are some, on things. Well, and that's but, the other thing that's crazy. There are some states that don't have it and they're Republican states. Yes. No, exactly. Mostly anyway. I mean, so sales like, tax, this would be a huge increase for a lot of places. Like, because we, what is ours? Like nine or 11 or something? Like, yeah. Ours is already high as far as it goes. Because right. this is currently decided by states, right? It's not yeah. a federal. Right. The so, federal government doesn't um, impose sales taxes. So this would be like a huge tax increase for some who like currently have none. Right. Also, this is bad for every sector of the economy. For sure. Like, no, there's not name a sector to me right, right. now that is not negatively impacted by this policy. I mean, I would be in favor of this, in addition to some other other things, if you if it was on luxury goods. Yes. Oh, sure. Why right? not? And I've heard them talk about maybe like capping it, like it, you know, things that are, you know, like under a certain amount of money, like don't get this. But then I don't know if you're yeah, collecting taxes. Yeah, but what do taxes, they think they are I know luxury exactly. goods versus right. other like but like charge, tampons? Charge somebody thirty percent tax sales tax on their yacht. I mean, sure, go for it. Yeah, uh, live I'm your, not here to live stop. Your truth. <laughs> yeah. So in any case, there would be um, a prebate, a monthly cash allowance for households that fall below the federal poverty level to help mitigate them having to pay 30% more for all goods. Now, these are households that already, that currently don't pay taxes. Mm -hmm. So they would now be getting probably an insufficient prebate in order to mitigate the 30% tax. You know that's going to be a loss. I mean, mean, in terms of... Of course. Yeah. Also, who would qualify for this? The only at the federal po- uh, poverty level. Oh my god! The federal god. Oh, poverty level is basically like imagine how many people there'd be a massive hole in the state of California. Seventeen people at the bottom, and, right? right? Like, yeah. yeah, no. So it's like not even a real. That's not a realistic no. <laughs> proposal. Um, and it's also not going to happen. So it doesn't matter. But the reason that it's hilarious is because of the mental gymnastics that Republicans have had to do in order to promote this policy, which is a policy that I believe Kevin McCarthy has come on board with. Yeah, I mean it's it's a tax increase for like. 
their voters. It, literally everyone. Well, uh, literally everyone. There's not one but person I mean, that it's not a tax increase for, yeah. including a lot of rich people who also don't pay 30% in taxes right now. I know. I can't imagine the that taxes, they like this. That's why I said I was like, I would be okay with this if it was for luxury goods. Right. Because like then they would be paying taxes for the first time. Exactly. <laughs> right? I mean. Right. right. That might actually <laughs> result in Jeff Bezos paying a tax. Or exactly. Two, which I am couldn't be more for. Same. But yeah, I this is like such a wild, like, out of line proposal for yeah. a time when they are <clears throat> trying to put together a sort of like uh, they're trying to look like people who are doing stuff right now <laughs> sure. because they're obviously obstructionists, <laughs> but they also have to run for president like everyone else. Right. And, and they, they are in the majority in the House. So it's <clears throat> like they have to in, act like they're doing something. Right. They have to pretend they're leading <clears throat> on issues. And like this is the level of intellectual rigor that we're going to go with. After that embarrassing display with the McCarthy leadership votes, <laughs> now this is the next big thing they've decided to tackle is a 30% sales tax rate, which could not be less popular with voters. It's like... I know. It's like incurred... It's like asking voters if they want like a swift kick in the head. I like know. I, <laughs> well, and it's like another one of those situations where we talk about with Republicans where they have taken, they have taken in some information properly, right. right? They took in, you know, because there's this whole thing where we... We did find out that the IRS was auditing, you know, pe- people in right. lower tax brackets, right? Like, we did just find that out. Yeah. So, like, they are raging against the IRS for doing that. And that's fair. Right? And that's fair. And so they're like, well, let's get rid of the IRS. Let's, like, defund all of well, these IRS like, We should just get rid of the IRS. Right. And that's then, like, the let's, let's defund, you know, all of these IRS agents that we were going to have. When, the, when in reality, the reason that they were auditing the people that they were doing is that like it actually takes more money for better agents and more agents to actually be able to audit Jeff Bezos or whoever it is that you're like some random Joe Blow IRS flunky is not auditing Jeff Bezos like that needs to be like you need like you need you need real people to do well, that, and you, and you need to pay those people. And I was going to say, and enough the, that they can't be agency, bribed out of doing it. And the agency needs to be funded. So it's like they've they've read all of the information and understood it properly. Right. <laughs> but then came up with all of the wrong ways to fix it, which Remember, is a classic Republican problem. When we went to Politicon, yeah, I, that's what I was thinking about Michelle, Michelle Bachman, Bachman I know, told us right? about how she became a Republican. Yeah, I mean, that, exactly. That's, this is that story that we're just living it again and again. Yes, exactly. Right? They're like, they're, they read the headlines Properly. They yeah. looked at them. They saw them. They learned them. And then... They went into their brains. And then the solution came like out it. in such a bizarre fashion. Like, you you t- in took all of that information and your solution was a 30% sales tax? How did... How? <laughs> That's... It's almost impressive. It's... Well, I was going to say, I... St- I st- remember when that we went to that Michelle Bachman talk. I walked out and I was like, you know, I don't feel that I can blame her for her stupidity anymore. Because obviously her, her brain, brain is broken. Is broken. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah. that's not her fault. She it's can't do anything no, about that. No, what are you that. supposed to do? What yeah. do you do with a broken brain? <laughs> it's like, you can only... In- I blame the people who promoted a person with a broken brain to being in a position where she could speak for people and to people. Right. But that's not her fault. <laughs> it's not her fault. Everyone no. wants to be famous. You don't have to let everyone be famous. That's That's on the rest of us. Yeah. And I feel a little bit like that right now where I'm like, are, yeah. is Buddy Carter's brain wrong? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, that's sad for America, but also for him and everyone <laughs> around know, him. Like, does Kevin yeah. McCarthy have brain problems? <clears throat> yeah. Yes. That's the, because 
You could not reasonably conclude that this is a good idea with any no. informational input <laughs> no. whatsoever. <laughs> nope. Unless you had brain brokenness. <laughs> that's right. So that's who we're dealing with. And you know what? Knowing that should free us up a little. Because <laughs> once you sort of have come, to, once you're in a place where you know that your opponent is broken, then you no longer have to pretend that they're a credible adversary. <laughs> right, yes. Like, this is not yeah, real, no. this is not real, not real ideas. It's not real. So, like, let's not act like they're having real ideas. Now yeah. we're freed from having to worry that they're having real ideas or that, that we should treat their ideas with any sort of respect. Yeah. Like, this idea deserves contempt because it's a dumb idea. <laughs> Just, like, openly. Yeah. The idea itself is so dumb that it doesn't need dumb people to... Right. Like, it, you don't need to know that the person advocating for it is dumb. It's, no. like, in, it's dumb on its own. Right. So, in any case, I think that should free us up a little to, like... I agree. And actually, I have been saying... One thing that's really been frustrating me about the way that people have been talking about the House right now is I feel like this is an issue with the media framing. It's an issue with just, like, how everyday people are framing it to me. It sounds like the Republicans are in the majority in government when the way people talk about government right now. They have the lamest five-person majority in the House and don't have the ability to whip all of those votes into one single vote that can pass a thing. We've seen proof of that already. We already have the Right. So do you know who the most powerful person in the House of Representatives right now is? Yeah. It's Nancy fucking Pelosi because she can whip 212 votes from not even leadership. Yeah. And we, by the way, we haven't forgotten that Hakeem Jeffries is the leader. We're choosing to ignore it because he's... Irrelevant to this conversation. <laughs> Thank you. He's not the one whipping. He, c- he couldn't even whip uh, like a two v- two votes to get Kathy Hochul her like her judge her anti choice judge that she wanted. We'll get to that in a second. Exactly. Um, but yeah. this is this is not a person who like has any He's sway over any of these whipping people. votes to anyone. No, for this any is because people. no. This is yeah no I I'm well aware <laughs> that he is the minority leader and also well aware that Nancy Pelosi is the person the in charge leader. of the house. Right now. <laughs> right. She's not even the minority leader. She's right. just the speaker of the house. It's. <laughs> She is yeah. the person who can, she's the only person in the House who can get 212 votes delivered on any bill. Yeah. That's not a power that Kevin McCarthy has. Nope. That's certainly not a power Hakeem Jeffries has. Nope. But so I wish that we could stop talking like we've like lost the government. We have a majority as lame as it is in the Senate. And listen, I know those bozos don't do anything, no. but we still have the majority there. The president is a Democrat. The House is coming up with ideas of the it, with the intellectual rigor that like a kindergartner would come up with, like and they can't whip their votes to get any of these ideas passed anyway. So no. who fucking cares? Like, we have not lost the government. No. At most, we're at a standstill. Yeah. But you know what, Kevin McCarthy is going to need to get literally any single policy passed that actually has to be passed is Nancy Pelosi to whip votes for him because <laughs> right, she's exactly. the person in charge. Yeah. In any case, stop act, stop well. framing the house as if all hope is lost. He all might, hope is not lost. He might soon need her to do that. To keep the government open. Also more on that later. Also more on that later. <laughs> in any case, oh, we got big news from the White House, though, this week. Oh, sure. Ron Klain, a person who you would never be able to pick up out of a lineup, uh, is out. And He's out. Chief of staff. Jeff Zients, who you also wouldn't be able to pick out of a lineup, is in. No. But you'll know him from his failure as being the COVID czar. That's right. Yeah. Things, of course, have been going swimmingly <laughs> ever since he solved sure. COVID for us. You're doing a great job, Zainzi. That's right. <laughs> Um, he's hated by pretty much everyone. He's a former management consultant, so he's... Barf. Horrifying. Um, the Revolving Door Project said, uh, that he was someone who had, quote, become astonishingly rich by profiteering in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. and that he is somebody who embodies the, quote, corporate misconduct that the executive branch needs to penalize. 
So that's pretty. Said he's getting a raise. Yes, <laughs> um, he doesn't have much political experience. Which, I mean, he has experience in government. He came from the Obama administration, but this is an election uh, season, and he doesn't have much political experience. So well, he's that's a, curious. He's a he's a swamp person. He's a swamp person. I mean, to you know. Yeah. To, sorry, guys. To borrow a phrase. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. That's just what he is. I, I, Listen, like... that point resonated because Donald Trump was not wrong. It is no. a swamp there. I He's don't. A swamp person. I don't know that he had correctly identified the extent of the swamp. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Um, but yeah. he was not wrong that people don't like the revolving door of swampiness that's going on. Yeah. That's what the revolving door is how we say it on the left <laughs> sure swamp person is how you say it on the right they're talking about the same thing right? i like swamp person but now. i like swamp person better too. That's, he, that was that was visual language That's right. that resonated for a reason in any case um also let this be another sign that biden only cares about promoting women and people of color when they're to positions that no one cares about or listens to because once again when the chips are down and we need a person to actually be in charge of stuff it's just like some generic white guy that you'd never be able to pick um mm-hmm out of a lineup of the other people that are doing this job for Joe Biden. So the White House, like so many places, is just a real study in white mediocrity. That's right. (laughs) Failing upwards and the persistence and stubbornness of mediocre white men. Mm -hmm. Well, in any case, oh, we hit the debt ceiling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's all happened. Mm -hmm. So now this is when we get to hear the treasury throw around the term extraordinary measures Mm. and act like they're coming in with like a parachute to like save us from uh monetary media i mean the treasury department loves to do that oh they love extraordinary (laughs) measures the extraordinary measures are some of the most boring measures that you'll ever hear about and also i think correctly highlight that the economy is fake monetary policy is based on false premises and that all of this is a fake problem that no one needs to solve that's the thing because you know, we've we've already hit the debt limit, but it's not going to be a problem until like June or July or yeah. something like that. And the reason is, is because there's all of these like insane tricks that the Treasury yeah. Department can do. And you can describe them if you want. I'll but, like, read what they are because I don't understand what but they, they are. But when you told me about them the other day, because you were the one that was yeah. describing this to me as you were sort of pulling the notes for this podcast, it made me remember that... Instead of doing all of these crazy tricks, we could do none of these crazy tricks. And, and we just could not tell, worry about any of this. We could just decide that we're not doing this. That's right. <laughs> yeah, basically what happens is the government borrows money against itself in order to keep going after the debt limit has been reached. Because some of the things that count towards the debt limit are like reinvestments in retirement and disability funds and things that are so incredibly boring and stupid and have nothing to do with government spending or anything meaningful having to do with the functioning of the government other than ensuring that retirees have benefits. Yeah. In But like in boring monetary policy ways, not even in material ways, that like these are, ju- this is the definition of just like busy work. <laughs> yeah. It's just the treasury then has to go and do a bunch of boring things to eventually just pay itself back in the end yeah. to avoid the government shutting down. But they're all fake things that no one needs to do that mean nothing. Yeah. The other thing that the no Treasury Department could do No retirees get affected. Is, the money right. gets paid back at the end. It's all fine. The other thing that the Treasury Department could do is essentially like move some decimal points around on their spreadsheet and then all of a sudden we're not in debt any longer. <laughs> That's another thing that... Um, yeah. I, this like... Our assumption that this conversation matters rests on the assumption that U.S. monetary policy makes sense the way that your home budget makes sense. Listen. And it does not. That's the one thing that I feel like has been sort of exciting about this conversation is that the Republicans have been out there talking about how trying to compare this to like you spending on your credit card and blah, 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 blah. And I feel like 
I have been seeing a lot of people, both on Twitter and even on the news, being like, that is not what the federal government is up to. No. Right? That's not how this is happening. They are making their own currency. They are borrowing from themselves. They're not borrowing from American Express. Right. Right? Um, They don't have to pay back the They don't have to pay back those people. Also, this is money that we already spent. So it's not as if, like, this is just all we're doing is, like, deciding that we're going to... Pay, pay our for things bills, that we've already paid. But we also paid for them. Already? Like we bought them from ourselves. Right. I, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> it's the idea that, like, this has any relation to you balancing your checkbook at the end of the month, which nobody fucking does anyway, uh, is know how. so ridiculous. And I feel like more so than past times when we've had this yeah. situation, I feel like people That's are like understood. starting to get that. I mean, it's still... Well, do you know, I think what really helped us understand that was the time that we had no money, but also could send everyone a check. (laughs) Right. It turned out that because we were just printing money, we actually always have the money to do whatever we want. Yeah. Anytime. Doesn't matter what time of day or year it is. It's, we just, we have the ability to do anything that we decide to do once we decide to do it. Like, I think that is where, uh, balancing the federal budget and balancing your checkbook really uh, start to diverge because sadly, I don't have the ability to print money in an effort to balance my checkbook. Correct. Whereas the US government does, and that's does. why they're completely different conversations. How much money the federal government does or doesn't have is it's determined by the federal government. On a literal spreadsheet. Yes. And people are gonna listen to this podcast and they're gonna think that like I'm a crazy person who doesn't understand the economy, and you're wrong. Right, sadly. <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> sad, at one time, well no. We both understand the economy and also know that it's fake oh, and it's nonsense. mostly fake problems. Yeah. And this is what's frustrating about the debt limit conversation is that it's going to cause a huge impasse that could shut down the government. I mean, it could cause like a massive crisis politically yeah. and that crisis could become a tangible crisis to real people. And it's all about nothing. It's all about nothing. It's all made up. Yeah. It's a fake problem yeah. with fake solutions. And... Not one person who is not trying to use this for nefarious political yeah. aims thinks it's a good idea to have the, yeah. Even Mitch McConnell has proposed changing well, the policy around right. this. Right. Well, and see, that's the thing. And I think Mitch McConnell gets this in a way that a lot of the House Republicans don't because, and you and I were talking about this the other day, I think the Republicans go out there and the reason that they try and compare this to like you balancing your own budget is because that's a thing that people can understand. And that's all in service of trying to make it seem like when we do go into default on our debt. Right. That it's because it's the Democrats' fault. And the Democrats just overspent and the Democrats like right. just don't want to talk about like cutting things and whatever else. And like you're you're a responsible person, you person at home, by the way, you're not, you're not. because everybody is spending also, more money on credit cards than they ever had. So they're also not so paying their bills. It's only worse if we have a thirty percent sales tax, by but, the way. <laughs> but I know. But regardless, what Republicans seem to refuse to understand, because they did default on the debt, what was it, like ten or eleven years yeah. ago now at this point? It was like two thousand eleven, I think. They seem to think that they can come up with new cockamamie ways to make it seem like it's not their fault. And they can't can't do it. The American people, regardless of how sometimes collectively stupid we can be, forever and always until the end of days 
are going to blame Republicans for yeah. not keeping the government open. And they're right to do so. Right. But There's like, only one party that's think, not keeping the government I, open. I think Republicans think that they have just somehow solved the problem of convincing that the American yeah. people that it's the Democrats that have closed down the government. And that is just... It's literally never once they been will, blamed on the Democrats because it's never once they been will, their fault. They will never come up with the right argument to make it no. seem like the Democrats' fault. No, and it, because of that... They actually put themselves in a really awkward bind when they bring this up and make it a big thing because it's a political loser. It's a political loser. It's a problem that doesn't need to be a problem because for we're all aware that they can just raise the debt limit. Everyone knows that there are times that this isn't a problem because we just do it and we don't talk (laughs) about it and everyone's happy. And I love not reading news stories about the debt limit. (laughs) Let me tell you, I would much rather find out what drama is going on with the real gaze of WeHo or whatever totally. uh, than have to read about the fucking debt limit. That's a waste <laughs> of brain space on everyone's part. So like, I feel like we're all aware that this doesn't actually have to be a problem because of the times it hasn't been a problem. And so they put themselves in a position where they can't gracefully back down from it. And then they end up getting blamed for a problem they created that isn't actually a real problem and was drummed <laughs> up just to get some kind of political support that it only mm-hmm. loses them. You know why they're doing this? Because of their brain brokenness. Broken brains. <laughs> That's it. That's, this is another example of broken brain syndrome. I just, I feel like on some level... Can we please name the podcast that? Will you remember that when we post it? I'm going to write it down. <laughs> um, it just, it makes you wonder if maybe we should approach them with a little more empathy because it would be really hard to live that way. You know who else has broken brain syndrome? It's everybody who was at the January 6th. Uh, Yes, those people. Oh, right. I skipped to the next story. Sorry. Oh, no, I thought I had fine. a I thought I had a yeah, really good segue. Well, this wasn't a story. It was literally just an off-topic mention of the fact that we don't understand why the um why are all of the January 6th crazies trying to get McCarthy I mean trying to uh, not um Yeah, McCarthy. Oh, yeah, try, they're trying to get McCarthy to release the January 6th tapes. What do they think they know what, or what do they think is on there? I am like that's There's like a weird of, thing going on where, like, yes. the far right crazies suddenly are demanding to quote unquote release the tapes. Yeah, including apparently, there's reporting that, like, that was one of the things that, like, the Gateses and the what's her right, name? Right, uh, we're, we're negotiating with McCarthy was what's to get tapes? him to re- re- release the January 6th tapes of, like, the footage of, like, at the Capitol and, like, outside of the Capitol. Like, why? What do they think's in there? I'm so. I'm, have they Have they seen them? I know. Also, what. Do they do they think that it like vindicates? I, that's them? what I don't I, understand. I'm so confused I'm, I mean, by I it. I hope he releases them. I do too. I would love to see the, <laughs> the tapes. Yeah. But I'm yeah. curious. I feel like releasing tapes that directly incriminate you is a. I mean, maybe they think for their voters it would be. Maybe, maybe that would be a political win for them. I don't know. I'm just so. If you maybe, are a listener, maybe they just want their voters to be able to watch it on repeat because they <laughs> are just they're so, so excited proud of about their time. <laughs> so proud of their service uh, on that day. Um, yeah, I'm just I am I'm beyond confused. Yeah, by I don't it, know, and I don't understand what I, yeah. I don't understand what I'm what they're expecting to have uh, on there. I don't understand what I'm expecting, what I'm expected to gain from them myself. Like I just have a lot of questions. I know. Back to my amazing segue. Yes, the back other to segue. The, the other person with broken brain syndrome is Kathy Hochul. Good lord, there this lady go. is an idiot. <laughs> so, for some godforsaken reason, Kathy Hochul, who barely won re-election, has decided that she wants to appoint a pro-life judge who is hated by basically every single person who's not her in New York State government to be chief judge on the Court of Appeals, which is the highest court in New York State. And this is like really her first public act as governor in her post 
slimly winning re-election alongside. Sorry. Also, Ray Ray's taking... She's been drinking water for like a minute. A very long drink of water. She's thirsty, Brent. She's she's dehydrated. Jesus. In any case, so if you hear slurping in the background, it's not us drinking water. It's Ray Ray. Um, In any case. Kathy Hochul. Kathy Hochul. Decides that she wants this guy, Hector LaSalle, to be the chief judge on the Court of Appeals in New York State. That's the highest state, uh, the highest court in New York State. It's um, her first sort of like big act post her very yeah. poor show. He's like anti-choice, anti-union. At like, I mean, and he's a monster. He's a monster, and it's it's become to a head because she, I think, thought that she would Cuomo style just force him through to show everyone, yeah, and do a kind of a power play. But she doesn't have. She doesn't any have any. <laughs> so and also. You have like, to have power to wield power. Correct. I think that's such a wise thing uh, to say in this situation, especially when she doesn't seem to know about normal power dynamics and how humans are. <laughs> but in any case, for the very first time since the, this system of uh, appointing judges has come into play with the approval of the New York State Senate, um, they the panel that uh, was first charged with doing the hearing for LaSalle and then voting to advance him to the full Senate denied is it denied the request uh, yeah. to put him on the court and um because of that the senate is not going to get to vote on him and he was just basically thrown out now the confirmation hearings were brutal and they were five hours long and so it's not like a thing where they just like you know i think there's sort of accusations that people's minds were made up beforehand which is how all of these hearings go <laughs> you course. guys i like i don't know why we're acting like that's new information no um but the hearings were quite long and quite extensive so it's not like we didn't get to hear a lot from the guy. Um, there were, it's a 19 member panel, it's 10 Democrats, nine Republicans. Um, and of the, uh, oh no, it's not 10 Democrats and nine Republicans. I think it's six Republicans and uh, 13 Democrats. In any case, 10 Democrats. The vote voted, was 10 to the, the vote was, yeah. 10 Democrats voted against him, two voted for him, and then the six Republicans voted to advance the nomination, quote, without recommendation. But one of the interesting things about the hearing was that the Republicans kept complimenting him. Like, the whole time the Republicans are like, I mean, we don't support him, but he's a great guy with great <laughs> values. And the Democrats were like, this fucker, the whole time. And yeah. so it was a confusing dynamic because Kathy Hochul is theoretically a Democrat, <laughs> although this will be her last term as one, I'm sure, because I'm she's sure. A, never going to serve an office in New York State again, and B, is not going to be welcome in the Democratic Party after this time. Um or she'll but, be the next president. Or she'll be the next president. <laughs> she will not be the next president. Let me mark my words. This is not a lady who knows how to run for office. Yeah. Um, but in any case, of all people, of course, she was like, who can I call to come in and support this guy mm. in the final moment? Because they were trying to be like, he'll be the first Latino chief justice. Mm, and it's like, sure. that would be great if he wasn't also an asshole. Yeah. Like, you can't just, you can't be like, it's progress because we're going to have the first Latino asshole running the right. day. That's, people she don't want. She could have nominated Ted Cruz. Exactly. Like, there's a lot of people who would not be qualified for a Democratic nomination to lead the courts in New York State who are Latino. Right. There's also qualified people. So, totally. I mean, there's, it's, it's a, yeah. a real who's who of options yeah, that sure she, she didn't exercise. Yeah. Um, but in any case, uh, aside from, there were some Latino leaders who supported him, but really the most prominent support came from Hakeem Jeffries himself, mm. who of course decided to get involved in this situation for reasons no one can understand, right. with a weak governor that nobody likes. Right. And when, this is why we know that Hakeem Jeffries is probably not going to be able to move 212 correct. votes in the House, because he couldn't move 11 in the in the, in the New York State Senate, Senate. <laughs> yeah, because he came in, told them what to do, and, and they, they were like, "Roundly off, said, 
no thank you, sir. Yeah. So that makes you wonder about his leadership <laughs> qualities. But um, it also makes you wonder about Kathy Hochul's belief in the democratic system because she wants to sue to get the vote put, to, to force know, an advancement into the right. Senate and get the Senate full Senate to I know you told me she was going to sue, and I said, well, herself? I was like, who, right? Like, <laughs> I had to look into it because I saw a headline that she was going to sue, and I could not for the life of me figure out who you could sue in this situation. So apparently, um, she believes that the state Senate is supposed to just be a rubber stamp on her individual choice. Well, and she probably else. does think that. And she might think that because she is a Cuomo protege. And that's another reason why she doesn't have the political power to make this sure. happen. But they're tired of that, though. Yes. That's like, nobody wants people from the Cuomo wing of the party to be up to anything right now. Yeah. New York, The New York state government, especially in the state Senate and state assembly, where they dealt with his assholing around for years, right. has they no were, time for this they bullshit. They were in the minority specifically because, because of, of him, him for a minute. Exactly. Right, exactly. No, it's it's like a thing that started to snowball quite. So he was shortlisted, but there was a list of like seven other people that she was choosing from. Sure. Um, and so as soon as he was shortlisted, the opposition started to snowball. And so she was aware, even when she selected him, that there was yeah. a huge op- there was huge opposition to him. And she selected him anyway. Very Cuomo move. Classic Cuomo strategy. It got so bad that she uh, compared his treatment to that of Martin Luther King's during oh, that's a right. on Martin Luther on, on Martin, Martin Luther, Luther King, King Day. Day. Yes, which really didn't earn her uh, <laughs> a lot of support from, no. especially because. Uh, among the many groups that did not uh, support the LaSalle nomination were groups like the NAACP <laughs> right. and other groups that represented black New Yorkers who rightly didn't want a fucking conservative justice to be the chief justice on the court. In any case, um, they've been complaining that people are misrepresenting his record, which is what you say when you are trying to advance a Republican judge onto <laughs> right. a New York State, uh, into a New York State court. Yeah. Um, and it has basically been one of the most embarrassing political defeats that you could suffer as a governor that already nobody likes and blames for the loss of several House seats and other local seats well, I was gonna say, she all has, over the state. She has less power than she did now last time. Than she did when she was just when, an appointee. When she was just right. When she sort of accidentally got the job because yes. she was the lieutenant governor, right? Yes. And I, that sounds crazy because she did just win re-election, but as you said, barely in New York State of all right. places. Like this is a woman who like. If she thinks she's going to be able to pull anything over on anyone, she really needs to find a mirror. I mean, truly, it's been actually sort of heartening because (laughs) I have for years been sort of like frustrated that the New York state government is not more radical because for years there have been people like Cuomo kind of hamstringing the efforts of the large progressive caucus in both chambers and the large democratic majority that should exist in both chambers because things have been so badly gerrymandered. I am one of the few people, I think, who thinks that the redistricting last year was not actually all bad. I think it was done in a way that made it confusing and that because of that, this election was deliberately thrown essentially by Mm. the poor redistricting efforts. But I think the districts themselves are actually like decent and a I think that ultimately they will cause some of the uh, sort of misapportioning of state governmental seats to Republicans to diminish. Hmm. Um, because New York State, want, the Cuomo's of New York State want you to believe that New York State is like just slightly more Democratic than Republican. New York State is no. significantly more Democratic than Republican. Someone like Kathy Hochul is playing this game because she is 
existing in a political reality that was created for her that where the, the sort of abiding wisdom is that you have to play it safe in New York State because the upstate New York, you know, the upstate New York population is very conservative and blah, blah, blah. And that's just not true. Hmm. New York State's Democratic population is like twice what its Republican population yeah. is. And there are a bunch of independent voters who are not Republicans. They're just yeah. asshats. But like there's a lot of or it's people on the far left who are just mad at the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, I think there is this leftover impression from the Cuomo era that you at the state level have to play it kind of moderate and that people like Kathy Hochul are the right kind of candidate to run so that you have a real balance between the city and upstate voters. Mm. That's not actually true. Of Like, the, the state government is finally becoming, you know, like, radical enough in the sort of post-IDC era to take on that impression on their end. But, like, I think, you know, Hochul has really, like, misplayed her hand here in part because she is resting on an assumption that that kind of moderation sells in New York State and that oh, she has, yeah. there's a natural constituency for it. And there just isn't. And yeah, I believe that. In any case, what an embarrassing defeat. <laughs> LOL to her and everyone. (laughs) And a big LOL to Antonio Delgado, who lost the CD19 seat for all of us and is now associated with this shit show. I know. Because he is now the lieutenant governor. He's done. He's he's, politically done. He left left a frontline house seat to be for a dead-end job for a dead-end governor. I mean, like, literally, what is his next step? To be the governor? Fat chance guy. Yeah, let me tell you what his next step is. It's to be a lobbyist because he's not going to have a job in government. Yeah. Like, that was such a dumb move. Yeah. And this couldn't have been a worse person to do it for. No, I know. In any case, LOL to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) LOL and goodbye to Kathy Hochul. Oh, man. Um, In any case, briefly, we have to talk about the fact that we don't even, like... It was like sinkhole news city during the big rains in LA. And to the point that we are not even going to be able to go through all the sinkholes. It's just important that you know that we were on top of that as the leading sinkhole radio (laughs) um, outlet. We saw the pictures. We were sent every single Find one. Them People know. If you want. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of interesting sinkholes. Oh my God, the rain. the rain. You weren't here for it. You got back I was not it. here for it. I, it was wild, guys. I am not surprised to hear that because my car was covered and still flooded. Oh, yeah, that's right. You- <laughs> I have the most floodingest car in America, so that's partly on me. But Right. You had like a tarp cover over it and it still, it still somehow flooded. flooded. Yeah. yeah. It that's, somehow that's how it be here. flooded through the tarp. I, oh, my chaos. God. So wild. It was wild. And with any great rain comes many great sinkholes. So, so a lot true. of great sinkhole pictures out there to look for. Hmm. And then I think the most important news of the week <laughs> is really... Thanks to Grant Sloss for the... Uh, you know, the reporting the he was up. doing on us. <laughs> yeah. It was really, yeah, it was a story that was reported to us by a friend of the podcast, Grant Sloss. Um, you might have heard mm. that one of, uh, what is it? One of uh, America's brightest stars <laughs> passed away of late. Um, yeah. That being Diamond of Diamond and Silk. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of Trump's most active supporters. That's right. And Who he's been photographed with many times, including at the White House. That's right. The two of them visiting the, him at the White House. That's very important that you remember. <laughs> right? Both Diamond and Silk, and Silk visited him at the White House. That's right. And they because they come as a duo. They were sisters. Diamond and they Silk. were podcast yeah. hosts. They got they a show. Were, they were on they Fox News. They got kicked off Fox News together. Right. <laughs> they go everywhere together. They go Diamond everywhere together. Diamond and Silk. No one. In fact, I don't even know their last names yeah. or what. I I only know them as Diamond and Silk, the duo. That's right. In any case, sisters. Don, sisters. Donald Trump invited to the memorial service, of course attended, because right. of the close personal relationship that he had with Diamond and Silk. 
mm-hmm. and then got up to speak and said, the world has lost one of its brightest stars, but I see that we have another star who was equal, but she stepped up and she's different. I'm serious. I thought I knew them both. I didn't. I knew Diamond, but I didn't know Silk at all. I just learned about Silk. <laughs> you're fantastic. You're going to carry, you're going to um, carry on beyond, beyond anyone's wildest imagination. <laughs> This is a man who has repeatedly and for many years known Silk. I know. I thought he was going somewhere with this initially, like up to the point where he said, but I didn't know Silk at all. I thought it was going to be, you know. I talked to her about her sister. Right. Right. And then now I learned so much about Silk and how close they were together. But no, then the next next sentence was, I just just learned about this one. Never even found out about Silk. Who? I've only had her in my home, but... Had no idea who she was. He also just kept complaining about the the service was like three hours long, um, yeah. and I think he expected it to be fifteen minutes. He seemed to right. he seemed a little perturbed. Right. He said they said about fifteen twenty minutes in and out. This is a little longer than fifteen minutes, right? <laughs> oh man. Man. He should continue to be invited to things like that. That should be his job. Yes. I mean, it essentially is at Mar-a-Lago, right? right? He's just, yeah, just he's the maitre d' of the, Mar-a-Lago. Right, the concierge. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Master of ceremonies. Exactly. And that's yeah. a perfect place for him. Totally. The kinds of objectionable, horrible people who go to Mar-a-Lago love having him in a crowd. Yeah. I mean. He should be eulogizing more people. He should absolutely be eulogizing more people. People he's met. People he hasn't met. I bet Doesn't he has a lot of interesting things to say people about People he's met well. that thinks he hasn't met. That's right. <laughs> I hope he also speaks at Silk's funeral. I hope For that sure. everyone gets an opportunity to well, find out. I think Diamond died of COVID, so Silk could be could be you know, any moment every, now. Everybody was giving her the, uh, she get her, the Herman Cain award. I was gonna say, did she get the Trump <laughs> so the Trump wild strain of COVID? <laughs> no, Brent, she didn't die of COVID. She probably died of the vaccine or something. Uh, oh she, uh, no, well certainly she not. She didn't get the vaccine. <laughs> no, <laughs> she died of vaccine uh, adjacency. <laughs> right. The vaccine was breathing near her. I was going to say, somebody told her about somebody the vaccine and she just dropped it. <laughs> In any case, if you or a loved one is looking for an exciting and comedic funeral, look no further than inviting Donald Trump to speak about and to people that he definitely knows and for sure has met many times because <laughs> that is uh, absolutely the most entertaining thing that could happen oh, at anyone's funeral. This guy. This guy. Still out there. Still alive, and he's not behind bars. No. He's just out here, just maitre d'ing around Mar-a-Lago <laughs> like anyone does. Jesus. In case, that's well, the news this week. There it is. You heard about it here probably third because it's late in the week. But <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. But it was great to talk to you. Yep. <laughs> um, we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>